It's Coalfield and Company. Company. Yeah, all right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Treasure Island, Cofield, on the scene, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Angel is here as well. John Von Tobel along in just a little bit, and a nice wide-open show today, lots to discuss. We are going to hit the A's, as we do just about every day in this stadium dealio, but a lot of what we do today is kind of grade how we've covered things because we've been talking to people outside the market and getting their reaction to our reaction on Major League Baseball coming to potentially Las Vegas sooner than later uh, if this deal is all sealed this weekend and the deadline is Monday, June 5th, then we could have the A's as soon as 2024. If the deal is signed and agreed to and nothing else falls through, we could have the stadium ready to go for 2028. So that's coming up a little later in the show. But let's kick things off with one of our insiders and uh, often a co-host of the show and uh, one of my partners on the UNLV broadcast along with Russ Langer. Caleb Herring is in the house, of course, former UNLV quarterback. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? We do not have Caleb. Nothing right now. Okay. Well, I promise you Caleb's coming up here in just a couple minutes. If we can't uh, get him going on our uh, original plan, then let's try him on the phone. We're going to get into NBA Finals game number one as Miami stayed within hailing distance, but it wasn't enough. And I still, I'm not going to lose faith. I still believe that this could be a series that goes six or seven games. When we watch NBA action too often, media and especially fans, I think sometimes it's the media just being dopey. Other times I think it's a bit. Uh, One game is one game. So let's not freak out because the matchup didn't work out last night for the Miami Heat. If you believed it was going to be a long series going in, uh, you know how zigzaggy the NBA is. And the Nuggets have been resting a while. And I'm not sure, you know, going into these games, whether long rest hurts or helps you. In this case, it certainly didn't hurt the Nuggets. Um, I think the Heat will get amped up for game number two, which is coming up on Sunday, and they'll also make adjustments. Uh, Last night was bully ball. And the Heat did match up well. I think they'll match up better. Uh, They'll also supposedly, reportedly, get a return from Tyler Hero, who was a hell of a contributor before he went down at about 20 points per game, and he's another three-point sniper. So, Hopefully, Hero adds to the mix. I heard a couple of days ago in breaking down the series, uh, what show was that? I was listening to Doug Gottlieb over on Fox Sports National, and one of his guests was talking about Hero, and they were going back and forth on whether adding a 20-point-per-game guy to the roster or back into the lineup, back in for some minutes, is actually going to hurt the team because, well, you know, they excelled with the current group. Uh, any added weapon offensively that stretches the floor against the Nuggets who do want to play big and brawl ball, it's going to help. And that doesn't mean that Caleb Martin goes off the floor or that some other guys who have uh, been key contributors go bye-bye and they're out of the mix. Another weapon is a good thing. And we're also talking about, and while I think Mike Malone is a good coach, Eric Spolster is a great coach, and that is a great 
and really well-coached organization. So there'll be adjustments on the way, and the Heat will be fine in game number two. But for the next couple of days, we can genuflect at the feet of Jokic, who had another triple-double, double-double for Jamal Murray. He was really good. And then playing some of that Powerball was Aaron Gordon. That was impressive. Uh, MPG also with 12 points and 10 rebounds. So the Nuggets are really good, and they deserve to be the favorite. I thought going in they didn't deserve to be a 380 favorite. So like I said, I think this is going to be a series that stretches out to six or seven, I believe, in the uh, up-and-down nature of the NBA. Uh, That's been the story throughout history. That said, this is one of the bigger favorites we've seen in recent years in the finals, even including some of the uh, Golden State series. So we're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to effort uh, Caleb Heron coming back right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We're live, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. they got the fish, uh, fish fry going on today. you get got a couple of pieces of cod, the fries. You get a beer with it. You get to keep the glass. The beer is a Heineken or a Dos Equis. Again, just 18 bucks to uh, grab that. That is a special on Fridays. Parking is always free. That's for locals and out-of-towners here at Treasure Island. So come on down, 55-plus TVs, to check out all the action. We've got an Aces game tonight, and we're getting you ready for VGK in game number one of the Stanley Cup Finals. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, just starting off here on a Friday, let's bring in uh, Caleb Herring, a little NBA, a little UNLV football, a little NFL. Caleb, what's going on, buddy? Oh, you know, the usual, just hanging out, enjoying sports season and uh, trying to stay ahead of the curve. I, I, with all the excitement that's going on with the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup back in Vegas, I think uh, there's a lot to digest, but it's fun. I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, let's get into the Finals. Are you a believer at all in the Heat, or are you going to bail like I think a lot of people are just because the Heat lost the game one against a team that they're big underdogs against? No, they're underdogs. And they, I mean, they have been for the entire playoff run, right? So I, the, the way the Heat played, the way that you know Pat Riley and Eric Spolster got these guys believing in themselves and playing hard. It's been well-documented, the undrafted kind of mentality, uh, not just the talent that's kind of developed over the, the season or over the past couple of seasons in Miami, but just that will to win, that drive to compete no matter what, I think is a, it's an intangible quality that can't be measured. Now, I really admire the way they play, and they're going to keep coming regardless in ways. So I'm never going to count them out. Uh, one loss is not going to devastate them. Uh, you would have thought after the Game 6 loss to the Celtics, not many teams would have been able to rebound from that on the road and, and come back and win that series in seven games the way that they did. But, uh, like I said, you, you can't count this Heat team out. So after one game, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not completely sold, especially on the way that they finished. They won the second half. Um, the way they finished that game and found some adjustments, actually made some shots. I think uh, Caleb um, and, and Shrews will, will do a, a lot better in the games ahead. So I'm not counting them out by any means. I think the Nuggets deservedly are still the favorite, but it's going to be an interesting series to see how Miami fights back. What do you think about what's going on around the NBA with uh, so many coaching firings and now some of the spots are being filled? Nick Nurse to Philly, uh, Adrian Griffin to Milwaukee. Monty Williams with a monster deal. is uh, Maybe Detroit had to play the uh, or pay the Detroit tax. You like any of the coaching moves? You dislike some of them? Yeah, I, I dislike the firing moves. Some of the firings were a little bit, uh, I think, rushed or premature, just bad decisions. I think Monty Williams being the number one uh, case for that, it, you know, he built up a team that was a championship contender, and they basically decimated overnight with the Kevin Durant trade um, and then kind of used him as a scapegoat to why the season ended the way it did, in my opinion. That's what happened. Uh, basically, sent him packing, but he landed on his feet. I mean, he's probably not financially complaining about where he is, although he's going to be a part of a massive rebuild in Detroit. 
it's clear he's going to be a centerpiece of that rebuild, and, and uh, they, they're trusting him with that. I think the largest contract in coaching history, if I'm not mistaken. So they're, they're going to use him and milk him for what he's worth up in Detroit. Um, so that, that, I think, was the strangest of the moves. And then just looking at the coaches that were fired, you know, winning champions in the recent, winning championships in recent history, even winning coaches at, coach of the year awards and getting to Cannesville. It's almost like the, the sense of urgency from some of these franchises is a little bit unrealistic. And, and you know, considering seasons of failure um, and not having the patience maybe of, of that would be expected or deserved for some of these top coaches is, is a little bit strange. But, um, no, it's a coaching carousel. It's touched every sport in college on up to the pros, and this year the NBA gets its turn. And uh, because of that, next year will look a lot different with the coaching changes. It's Cofield and Company. Live, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar here at Treasure Island. Got 55-plus TVs to check all the action out tonight with the uh, Aces playing. we got the Stanley Cup Final coming back, uh, well, starting off tomorrow, NBA coming back on Sunday. And Caleb Herring is with us, the former UNLV quarterback. So OTAs, these are not mandatory, although the mandatory is coming up here in just a couple days. OTAs, let's talk first about the mood around the Raiders' OTAs. I did see that uh, Adam Plant, former UNLV Rebel got a nice pop from Chandler Jones, so that was cool. What do you think OTAs are like in these cases where they're voluntary and you know, it looks like most of the Raiders have shown up? Um, you know, Josh Jacobs is in a weird position here because he's going to play under the franchise and nothing is official long-term. A decision needs to be made, I think, by July 17th. I think it's interesting because OTAs is kind of, you know, where a lot of teams look to feel out how bought in the team is for championship aspirations, right? Usually you look at the teams that are looking to be there at the end of this season, and you say everybody's all in on OTAs. It's always like a, a talking point. Like they were, everybody was here, perfect attendance, whatever you want to say, even though it's not mandatory. Um, those those kind of signals are like saying, hey, everybody's bought in, they're willing to be here, and that's that's essential to the chemistry aspect of of, of you know football. Um, but like you said, there's some interesting situations. Josh Jacob with the franchise tag, rookies trying to earn their spot, trying to get their keys, like Adam Plant and others across the league. Rookies who are expected to be key contributors, like those top draft picks, you know, Bryce Young and uh, Carolina, who are expected to be, you know, franchise caliber players under a microscope, essentially. Like, the OTAs is the first real look with team functions to say, like, hey, is this guy really what he's worth? Is he hitting the ground running, or are we going to have to catch him up to speed before we get anything out of him? The OTAs is a critical juncture for a lot of teams, and I think with the, where the Raiders are, especially um, with, the, with the concerns around Jimmy Garoppolo and his availability and um, kind of maximizing or maybe maybe potentially missing a window of opportunity with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs still around, and while the offense still has its, its horses, so to speak, on the edges, is there going to be a quarterback, a functioning quarterback to distribute the ball by the time the season kicks off? OTAs now is kind of a wasted dead time in that situation. And that's true for any franchise that has a quarterback that's dealing with off-season injuries. Um, that's going to be a missed opportunity to get reps. Um, and those are vital reps, especially introducing a new quarterback to a new system and, right. or a new offensive coordinator. So um, these things are critical when it comes to building chemistry down the stretch, and it could have an impact, and hopefully it doesn't, especially in the case of the Raiders. Yeah, I'm glad you went that direction because, you know, Jimmy G, uh, you know, whizzing around the facility on a scooter, obviously can study things, can be around the players. I just wonder what the loss of reps does in these opportunities, and then you're going to have to be a really quick study. If he is healthy at the beginning of training camp, man, if it's delayed at all, which it, it very well could be, you know, say it's two, three weeks into August before he's actually out there. You just wonder how ready he's going to be, you know, studying without the reps and then having limited reps. 
Yeah, there's going to be an element of game speed adjustment that he's going to have to get through as well. I mean, OTAs is not going to be game speed by any means, but just physically after surgery or after any injury, uh, sort of trusting your body again to go full speed is going to be a hurdle he's going to have to get over. And are the receivers, are the, is the offense going to suffer for that? It's not like they got any breaks in the schedule or their schedule is any less difficult or the division's going to allow for them to have sort of a, a feeling out period early in the season. They're going to need all the wins they can get and to hit the ground running and have as much chemistry established as possible. How much can you do in the film room to really translate it onto the football field? And that's, you know, hopefully the fact that he's worked with Josh McDaniels before, he's familiar with kind of the structure of the system, would benefit him if that's the case. Um, but still, you, you need those on-the-field reps. The, he's never thrown passes to Devontae Adams. I don't care you know, how much he's familiar with the system. The timing of throwing uh, to Hunter Renfro versus throwing to you know, Devontae Adams downfield, it, it, it's something you're going to have to acclimate to, and you hate to waste in-season reps trying to acclimate when you should be trying to win ball games. What did J.J. Watt say in defending rookies in the OTAs? I, well, I think J.J. Watt's sentiment was kind of what we've, what I said at least, uh, about draft expectations in, in a larger sense, but uh, with OTAs especially. I, he essentially said we're hammering guys for struggling in OTAs, rookies especially, uh, when they come out and maybe <laughs> don't have a, a, a spectacular practice or don't wow us in the first couple of practices of OTAs. It's like, uh, where does this unrealistic expectation come from? And I, I assume it comes from, you know, the, the, the hype around the draft where guys who are selected, say, you know, top 20 or even first-round picks, and they're glorified as kind of franchise-altering players and not given the grace to acclimate to what an NFL practice is, the speed of an NFL practice, the efficiency of movement, which I think people don't understand. Uh, unless you've been to a practice, you've actually practiced under the circumstances. It's very difficult, very high-paced, not a lot of time to digest. You, you go from the film room and you know being taught to immediately being expected to go full speed out on the field, and it's a pace that college athletes just aren't used to. You know, when it goes from amateurism to professionalism, there's a different standard of excellence that goes into practice even. Um, and I don't think people appreciate that or don't give rookies the grace to to adjust to that. And I think J.J. Watt was, you know, kind of pro-athlete in this where the expectations are a little bit lofty for some of these guys and we don't give them the landing pad of, hey, you're a rookie. It's your first time on the job and this is on-the-job training. Nobody's going to get it right their first week. Or even if they do, they're going to have off-practices. And he to the fact that even late in his career he had off practices and he hoped that he wasn't judged too harshly for those practices where he was maybe a little offbeat or, or out of rhythm. Um, but it's expected. And I think that's uh, kind of the story he was going with there where the media is really, really scrutinizing these guys every move, every rep, uh, to the point where they're not allowed to be human, I guess, and, and not allowed to have those yeah. rookie lapses early on in their career. And then maybe because of that, they're considered bust or that, that they didn't meet expectations, whatever unrealistic expectations there was to begin with. So, J.J. Watt, speaking from experience, just kind of asking us, basically, to, to give these guys in OTAs a little bit of a break. Let them catch their breath before they, you know, get scrutinized so heavily. Right. But I need to see examples, and I have to go watch that video. i got to see if J.J. Watt was pointing to someone specifically. Um, otherwise, I would just fire back with, uh, blowhard, attention-seeking, missing the game, former players, and not mention J.J. <laughs> Watt. You know what I mean? It's not fair because uh, I'll yeah. tell you, this media guy, when I see headlines about C.J. Stroud or uh, Aiden O'Connell, I don't care. I, I don't care about OTA. So um, <laughs> I don't like that, you know, the media. Uh, we're all different people, so cut the crap, J.J. Be a little better than that now that you're out of football. Have a little more nuance, please. Uh, Caleb Herring is with us. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins – 
I think has a choice. He can go to a really good team. He's not going to make a lot of money. Or he can go and make his money, and he'll probably be, you know, the best team he could probably be on is someone like the Lions, you know, a, a team that's striving for eight or nine wins. I wonder what he does because, frankly, I don't, I don't think he's worth big money. I think the most you can rely on for DeAndre Hopkins now is I would set a floor of, say, 60 catches, 700 yards, and like five touchdowns. I, I don't know how much better he can be than that. I'm not sure if he's at the drop-off point. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think what his decision is going to just be based simply on how he sees himself. Um, and I think there is a market for him. I think there's teams that are looking to get over the hump that would love to add him to the fold. But is he going to be willing to, like you said, take less to go to a contender? Um, I think he may not be in his head because, you know, because of the suspension and because of his time in Arizona uh, where he wasn't really heavily featured just because of their situation down there. Um, I, I think he may still be in a, a situation where he feels that he's in his prime and he deserves more than maybe he's worth. And that may cost him in free agency, right? And also just the attitude of wanting to win. He's been kind of, uh, you know, a talented receiver, but kind of irrelevant when it comes to impacting winning because he hasn't really won anywhere that he's been. Um, so him going somewhere would be, you know, kind of the last testament to his to his success. Really, um, he's aging. He's not getting any better. He never was a receiver that required or got a lot of separation in his routes. He was a guy that made great contested catches and has very good hands. But as far as creating separation, the older you get, the windows are going to get a lot smaller. So he's going to need a good quarterback, a good system to help him. Um, so how much is he going to will- be willing to sacrifice in his deal? I mean, he got what twenty two million just to walk from Arizona. So. Um, it's going to depend on his attitude and where he sees himself in his career. Is he on the downside? Does he feel that he, you know, is in win now mode and just trying to get a ring before he retires, or is he thinking he's in his prime and, and trying to compete or contend with some of these top contracts for wide receivers? That's all going to be up to his. That's what he's going to be looking at making his creative decision. And a couple of teams that you mentioned, I think the Lions is a good fit. They're looking or poised maybe to surprise the NFC North and take the division this year with Packers making transition and. The Vikings, who knows? But uh, going up there might not be a bad look. Um, I've heard things floating around about Cleveland reunited with Deshaun Watson. Who knows how that would look and how much cap space they have to work with that? Then obviously there's teams like Kansas City and and even the Jets who are you know considering themselves contenders for a Super Bowl who would love to add a guy, but it's going to be for cheap. So that that's that's where he's going with 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 his options. It's just going to be interesting. The the news coming down that the Cardinals released him for nothing was a shock. Um, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how this thing turns for him individually and if he can revitalize his career and become the dominant receiver that he was back in the day in Houston. Caleb Herring, one of our football voices, is on the call of UNLV football. He played at UNLV football. He played quarterback. He's one of the co-hosts of the Barry Odom Coaches Show. So let's wrap on a couple of UNLV points on the football side last six weeks on the recruiting front. So it's been interesting. They've been adding some final elements of the 2023 class from all levels. Uh, Transfers, then JUCOs, bounce-back JUCOs, then the 2024 class is being put together, and they've got eight or nine commits there. So what do you want to hit on? Do you want to hit on these last couple of players have added for 2023 or 2024 where, you remember, they were out on the recruiting trail giving a lot of offers to 24s, 25s, and 26s. Yeah, I think they really got ahead of the game with the 24 and 25 class, uh, getting out and, and offering at least, I mean, there's hundreds of guys that were just, they're just sending out offers that it's just like, it seems almost ridiculous. But they, they had a plan. They wanted to hit the ground running, and they've done that. And they've landed some pretty solid commits so far for that 2024 group. 
I think it's interesting because the 2023 class, uh, which is going to be what we're going to see, you know, first things first for this Barry Odom group is, is, is where we wanted to see some holes filled. And uh, we both lamented that the offensive line or both, both fronts really need some help um, as far as bulking up. And they have addressed that need and a couple of transfers um, that came in to maybe hopefully beef up the offensive line. Uh, Will Thompson from New, New Mexico State is, is a massive human being, so hopefully he's able to make a splash up front. Uh, we'll see. And that I, I think I, I can't really make up my mind which is more interesting because I do think that the bowl expectations of this season have piqued my interest. Um, and, and the roster, obviously, is going to have a big deal to do with that. Who all they can get in the door and fall and get up to speed by the end of fall camp is going to be is going to be huge. Um, but projecting out and looking at what they've been able to do um, to turn the program for the future is, I think, uh, is also just as interesting. But overall, the, the consensus is they've done a great job recruiting to what they need and recruiting heavily um, and being aggressive in the recruiting market. And I, I don't think that that has necessarily been the case um, at all times in UNLV history. I think it's been more of this selective recruiting, kind of understanding uh, or, or not trying to outkick your coverage, so to speak, in the recruiting trail. But it seems like Barry Odom has a, a green light to go after whoever he thinks will best suit the roster. And he's landed a couple of big fish so far, which is why the recruiting class right now is, is where it's ranked in the conference at number one and uh, top 50 nationally. So it's, it's, it's worked for them so far, and we'll see if it pans out as far as you know, guys staying, not as much roster attrition, kind of building a program brick by brick. And these 2024, 20, 25 pieces uh, start to collect together. And you, you, before you know it, you got a competitive roster in the future. Yeah, I don't remember them ever having – eight or nine commits for the next class in the May of the year before. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's impressive, and it means that the work they put in has convinced some kids. And like you mentioned, some kids who had Big 12 and, and SEC offers in the case of the Kansas City area linebacker Lasser, and they just got a kid the other night from the Galveston, Texas area who was offered as a D-back by Ole Miss and Oregon. So those are some of the high-level guys, plus – three or four local players, which is, you know, really important to get in, uh, get those inroads to the uh, the local scene. So really good stuff from Odom and company. Caleb, what do you got planned this weekend? Anything big? Uh, this weekend I will be attending a, a union of holy matrimony. Oh, that's a right. A friend of mine. That's <laughs> former right. UNLV Rebel himself, uh, Bo and Savannah, are, are, are tying the knot. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to attend that this weekend. That's going to be huge. Hopefully it's going to be a Rebel gathering. There's going to be a lot of alumni there, I'm sure. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. Outside of that, and enjoying some more uh, Stanley Cup uh, finals on Saturday with the rest of the city, I will be you know doing that and kicking off summer. The kids are out of school, um, so <laughs> going to be having fun with my Rugrats. Outside of that, so it's going to be an eventful and fun weekend for me. Tell Bo and Savannah that I wish them well, and I said hi. So I'm sure they're 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 kind of busy today, and they're going to kind of be busy <laughs> the rest of the day. But uh, have fun tonight. Right. That should be good. That should be really good. All right, man. Appreciate it. I'll, I'll let them know for sure. All right, I'll see you, Caleb. There he is, Caleb Herring, the former UNLV quarterback. Uh, big weekend for sports. We got Stanley Cup final going down tomorrow night. You got a couple of uh, Aces games going down as well. Watch party coming up with ESPN Las Vegas. That's on Sunday. Lindsey Brown's going to be on the road with Buffalo or at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, Lindsey from Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. It's the BWW on North Durango. She'll be there from one to three as the Aces are going to be on the road taking on. The Indiana Fever at Buffalo Wild Rings right now. you got really good specials like the uh, one-and-one special. You get a burger, and you will get six wings on the side for just $1. It's Buffalo Wild Wings, North Durango. Prizes available as well. Lindsey Brown from Raider Nation, Radio 920, repping ESPN Las Vegas this Sunday, 1 o'clock at Buffalo Wild Wings on North Durango. 
in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Boy, a lot of breaking news to get into. A lot of breaking news. Caleb Herring just on with us, the former Rebel quarterback, going to a wedding. Ooh. Appears to be a Friday wedding. I say appears because I wasn't invited. Is it somebody you know? Oh, yeah. Who is it? Uh, he mentioned it. Former UNLV linebacker Bo Orth, who has worked mm. around UNLV for years, is now with one of the uh, local TV stations. But I don't know Bo well enough to go to his wedding. And honestly, I, I couldn't go. I mean, is that bad that I wouldn't take off the show to go to Bo's wedding? And my significant other, the SO, would not be available today. But I also don't expect to be invited to a wedding like that. Yeah, That's kind of a superstar. And it's two uh, local families that are, have been here forever. So I'm sure they, they probably had a list that was like 400 deep that they had to pare down. So I'm surprised Caleb mentioned it. I was actually a part of an awkward situation just a, like a week ago or so where I hung out with somebody from work over at VSIN and somebody I've gotten to know a little bit more over the last couple of like months and then relayed that we're just talking with somebody like, oh, hey, you know, I was over at so-and-so's place with a couple of other people from VSIN. And, and, and you get the and look. My like, coworker was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I thought him and I were like, getting oh, you got that better. reaction. You know, I'm surprised I wasn't invited. And I was yeah, like, no, like I shouldn't have said anything. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. I didn't even, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought you meant the aspect of uh, people getting married and not really wanting anyone to know on this level. Oh, yeah. Like no. not wanting it on the airwaves. No, like, so like Stormy Bonatoni, who used to work Vegas sidelines where I work with now, um, she's getting married this summer. And it's also one of those instances where uh, she's are like, you, Are you invited? No. Okay. No, I wouldn't he, expect you to be. I wouldn't expect she you is either. A, she is another kind of legacy family in town. So I'm sure they have a lot of people they want to invite. The Bonatonis, the Von Tobel's, you know, rivals, of course. I, you, um, you know what? I forgot. You actually, you are kind of a famous family. Um, but maybe you just didn't cross paths in the past. No. And, well, and that's the thing. Like, I've just barely started. Like, she's worked at Visa for a while. I just barely started working with her this year. So I didn't expect to be invited. However, I do have another coworker that I've started to work with this year that's getting married next year. And I told him, I was like, all right, cool. We're going to establish our friendship. And. You can invite me to the wedding. Nice. Because it's all about, actually, the open bar. Like, that's all that matters. I actually don't care about their love. I just want to be a beneficiary of the party. I mean, we got kind of mean when we were talking about – it was mean but practical when we were talking about the Raiders' weddings on the same day. Right. With Darren Waller getting hitched to one of the aces. You know where you love right now. You see you're in uh, Google Pixel commercials. Actually, a second one, Kelsey Plum, and then – same day as Max Crosby, and my first question is like open bar, and then it's like, oh God, both are both guys are fighting, yeah. you know, demons from the past. And so then what happens? Yeah, but that is my primary concern. Of course, I got to go to a wedding with you for a, for a former company member, Taylor Byrne, open bar. That was a good one. That was solid. That was I. Uh, I still look at that one as a, a shocking that I got invited. Really? Uh, again, I, I don't know. Not, I don't know how many friends people have. <laughs> And I, I think you were closer to Taylor, and Adam Hill certainly was. He was there. Then I was. That's all. So, actually, I don't I, expect to get invited to anything. I, I'm not fun. I echo well, those. I am, but people don't realize. I echo those sentiments, actually. I, I am genuinely, and it makes me happy. Yeah. I am genuinely warmed and surprised yeah. every time Taylor, like, if I talk to him on social media or see him, like, there's been, there was one time where he came out to Las Vegas for, like, something quick, and he, like, made it a point for me to go out there and see him. Yeah. And I was like... I, I am shocked. Like, I would love to see you. you the guy's lived like in you. the Czech Republic for, right. like, how long now? Seven, right. eight years he's been gone. Like, I don't, 
even remember us? Right, and the fact that he, he still wants yeah, the fact that he still wants to see me every time or checks in on me and the kids, it's that's yeah, heartwarming. Coming up, let's check in with another old friend. He remembers me a little bit when I text him once a year, maybe twice. Uh, Dave Hall, former sports guy, but now he's gone to the next level with Fox Five. He's been one of the morning anchors forever. But I really wanna I wanted to get his take on VGK, a second Stanley Cup final in six years of existence. And I know he's got some thoughts on the A's and also just kind of get his gauge on what has changed in this market since he was a sports guy. I mean, the growth over the last 12 to 15 years in Vegas for major league sports has been incredible. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, continuing with the uh, cavalcade of stars, getting you ready for a gigantic sports weekend in Las Vegas and and massive couple of years in the future. Maybe a new, another new giant venue in town with the A's. Let's start with hockey first and bring in Dave Hall. He's a former sports guy. He's forever a sports guy from Fox 5. Dave, how you doing, buddy? First of all, I thought you said it was a cavalcade of stars. <laughs> what am I doing here? Come on! <laughs> You're one of the big morning stars. You guys are a big deal. Don't underplay <laughs> well, it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, okay, man. Well. Hey, I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you guys. Yeah, we uh, we got to get you on more often. I say that every time we do a spot, and then I don't text you for a year. So my bad, no, my bad. That's but, okay. It's but all I good. do follow. I do follow on Twitter, uh, and I do watch Fox Five. Um, and I know you have some thoughts on a lot of sports topics. Uh, first of all, put it in perspective because you you covered sports for a long time, and you're a guy who yeah. worked in, in different markets. What we're seeing here with VGK is pretty nuts for a brand-new franchise in the first six years to now get a second Stanley Cup final. It's crazy. It, I mean, it really is. And, um, I mean, you just look at today and yesterday for practice. I mean, for practice, you know, they're cramming in over at City National Arena just to get a close view of these guys practicing. Uh, it just speaks to the, the absolute love affair the city has with this hockey team. Um, and it's so cool to see. I mean, you mentioned I did sports a long time ago for Fox 5, uh, back in the day when, you know, all we had going on was 51's games and some Wranglers games, and every once in a while a big fight would swing through town, and, and that was pretty much it. And now, you know, we've got a massive sports team, and they're constantly traveling all over the country, and it's just crazy to see the evolution of sports in Las Vegas and how quickly we've grown into I mean, arguably one of the greatest sports cities in the entire world. It's it's just cool to, to have a front row seat to it. Dave, when you look at the growing love, and I would say growing because it seems like more passionate every single year. I was telling Steve the other day, my mom was asking what's going on with the <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights. But <laughs> I, when you talk about, like, when you look at the way that this fan base has kind of grown and attached itself to it, like the passion as it's going to carry on going forward, you know, when you look at the beginning of it all, how much does the success tie into it? But also, it's kind of oddly tied into, obviously, the unfortunate events that surrounded their first game on the ice. Like, I think all yeah. of these things come together to create some passion and a passion that I think will carry through when this team is eventually going to hit like a downswing because that happens in sports. Oh, for sure. I, I, and I think, you know, they, they use the hashtag VegasBorn on, on Twitter, and I think that's that's perfect because it is. I mean, it's, you know, forever, Vegas, you know, we were, you know, everybody else's playground. And this was the first thing that was just ours. This was our hockey team. It was something just for us. And as you mentioned, it, 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 they came at the perfect time when our city needed desperately something to rally around. And I think they rallied around it as well. And that first season, 
was was absolutely magical. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to see anything like that again. Um, but what you're seeing now is just, the, I think, the maturity and development of the organization. And um, they're just a damn good hockey team, a damn good organization. Um, and, you know, the city, I think the city itself is maturing as a sports city right there with them. So it's just kind of cool to see us grow together. Dave Hall, Fox 5 is with us. As Dave said, the sports crew for Fox 5 is growing and growing and growing. You guys are going to be doing a, a bunch of Aces games. You're already doing a lot of stuff with yeah. MLB, so that, that's good with the Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. On, on the yeah. VGK side, do you actually go to the games? You know, because of my schedule, you know, I have to get up at 2 in the morning, so I don't get to very many games at all, and my weekends are almost always occupied. My daughter plays softball, so we're constantly traveling for that. So we get to a couple games a year. I, I was looking at getting to tickets tomorrow night, <laughs> and then I was like, well, my, my daughter can go to college or I can go to game <laughs> one of the Stanley Cup final. So uh, the plan is now for her to go to college. But uh, I don't go to nearly as many as, as I would love to. You know, obviously watch a bunch on TV. And, you know, speaking to, you know, you're saying your mom was watching, uh, yeah, John was asking that. you about the Golden Knights. I, I walked into our living room the other night, and my wife, was watching a Golden Knights game, which is something she would not have done a few years ago. Yep. So, again, it just speaks to how this team has, has really grabbed the hearts of this community. You're on to a topic we talk about all the time, and that is calling in favors. Um, do you mm-hmm. not call in favors to get to – I mean, let's, I, I don't know him really well, but um, I know – I remember Feinberg being at, like, everything, and uh, I think some people call in favors. Or, is Dave yeah. one of those guys like an Adam Hill where you're like – I'm not going to push the envelope because Adam won't ask for anything. Are you like that? I, I I do hate asking for things, and I feel like all of our favors are being used up because yeah. of Feinberg. So we don't have any favors left to ask. So I don't I don't want to be that guy to you know overstep that line. Ooh, we got controversy here. We got controversy here. I can only I, I can only. I can only say that because Feinberg is currently out of the country, so he's not hearing this. Okay, we're safe. Uh, Now I feel safe, too. Did he call in a favor for the tickets out of the country? (laughs) He got got two tickets for someone else. By the way, I I have friends from outside the market who will call me up, and they're they're like, hey, do you have any golf connections? And I'm like, well, I can work on something for you. And they're like, no, it's just for some friends who are coming to town. I'm like, not for your friends, for you, yes. Call in favors. What are you doing? Well, next time they call you, call Feinberg. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, one last thing on VGK. Sure. We have, in this case, an owner who's really interesting, and, I, and I'm going to build this towards the A's in a second. Foley has set a standard here, and even for Mark Davis to get to, where the dude is super wealthy, he's a little bit older in his 70s, and I say this to everyone, like, he just gets it. He wants to win, but here's the thing. He's not a Steinbrenner where, hey, Mm -hmm. fire the coach every year, but also blow out management. To go back to what you said four minutes ago, that's the key here. They got a good coach in Cassidy, but they let management do what they're supposed to do. And look at what management has put together here in terms of big signing, trades, values, freaking scouting on the goalies. He has stayed away from that element with McCrimmon and McPhee. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a guy who hires good people and lets them do their job. Like, what a novel concept. You know, that it will be like a radio programming director hiring you, hiring you guys and then letting you do your jobs because you guys are good at your jobs. I mean, you know, and, and he did it right right from the beginning, and I know we're going to get to the A's here in a minute. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't go begging for Nevada taxpayer dollars. He paid for it himself. He found private partners to build, help build T-Mobile. 
you know, he paid his own expansion fee to the NHL. So right from day one, he's done it the right way. And I think that's why, again, there is so much community buy-in for the Golden Knights is because from day one, they've done it the right way. Dave Hall, Fox 5, ESPN Las Vegas on Cofield and company. All right, give me your general thoughts on the A's approach <laughs> to getting the stadium done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate it. I, I pretty much hate all of it. I, I don't get it. Um, you know, I, I, I keep saying, you know, it's not 2015 anymore. Las Vegas isn't desperate for pro sports. You know, we've quickly become one of the best sports cities, not only in America, but in the entire world. I mean, just look what's on the sports calendar this year alone, what's coming to Vegas. And so I, I don't understand why we're acting like we're the ones desperate for Major League Baseball to come here when it really, it's reversed. The A's are the ones who are desperate to come to Vegas. And so I don't understand why we would even consider giving them at least $380 million in tax money. And, you know, you're hearing stories that it could be more than that once you get into the nitty-gritty of some of the numbers and the details. Um, I don't get why we would want that particular franchise here, that particular owner here, who is notoriously cheap. Um, you just look at his MLS team. Uh, you, all you have to do is look at his history. You know, he went to San Jose and went begging for tax money there. He got it, promised them that he'd build them a beautiful stadium and build a competitive team, and they've been mediocre at best since then. So, you know, he has a track record. It's not a great one. So I, I just don't, I don't get it at all. We don't need the A's here. We can wait it out and get a, an expansion team and, again, have a second Vegas-born team, our team, not another city's cast-off. You know, I'm actually, first of all, really good comments there. Um, I'm actually proud of the media group in general in Vegas because we could all be self-serving and just go, yeah, screw it, man. Spend public money. It helps me. It's going to help my job, right? More to talk about, maybe more uh, yeah. opportunities mm -hmm. in broadcasting. But I've seen so many people in this market analyzing this thing down the middle and actually looking at it as a taxpayer and a resident. And it's funny, outside the market, we're going to play some examples later on, we've got sports people outside the market who are like, I can't believe you guys aren't like over-the-top excited. Yeah, we, we live here and we actually yeah. we know what Vegas is. But I, I think a lot of that, Dave, is people have a lack of knowledge of what Vegas is and how cool it is mm -hmm. here and the fact that we've got 40-plus million tourists coming every year. We turn down events. I was just telling someone before the show, we turned down a BCS title game because college football is like, move CES. And the LVCVA is like, no, we're not, we're not moving no. CES. We turned down World Cup. I mean, World yeah. Cup wanted so much. LVCVA is like, nah. So I, I actually, I hope people out there don't think we just have like some action grind because I would take the Rays here in a second with a good stadium deal at a good site. I'd be 100% mm -hmm. behind it. But I think you nailed it. A lot of this is the A's approach and the A's ownership. Yeah, I mean that's it for me, and and it's it just it it feels like we're desperate when we're not, and we shouldn't be. Um, but I mean, you know, when it comes to to our our lawmakers, you know, the, the unions, the big powerful unions, seem like they're in support of this, so it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Uh, despite uh, our belly aching on Twitter and, and right now, um, you know, and it, we all know what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen because oh, yeah. they always inflate the job numbers, they inflate the projections. And they're not going to hit their, their quotas that they need to quote. And we, the taxpayers, are going to be paying the bill of a billionaire. And that pisses me off. Dave Hall, don't get too fired up, man. I've seen you fired <laughs> up on the softball field. It was
laughing. Scary. Um, <laughs> that was a thing. long time ago. I'm, it I'm old and creaky now. Well, you passed it on, apparently, to your daughter. I'm sure she's a monster on the field. Um, <laughs> so I saw that you went to a recent sporting event, and I'll just I'll build off of this. Um, my other problem with baseball sometimes is it is stodgy, and it needs to be more fun, it needs to be more open. Were you actually at uh, LV Ballpark for the Savannah Bananas? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? What'd you think? Opening night. What'd you think? Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was good. They put on a great show. I think it's one of those things where, you know, I, lo- I love baseball. Like, I don't take my rant the wrong way. I love baseball. Yeah, Grew up playing baseball. It was my favorite sport. Um, you know, you kind of wish they would take the baseball part of it a little more seriously. But, I mean, it's, it's not about the baseball game. They're putting on a show. You know, there was thousands of kids there at the ballpark that night, and the kids just absolutely loved it, including mine. Um, so, you know, my feeling was after, after walking away, seeing it one time, that was enough. You know, I, I don't think I'd need to see it again. Um, but, you know, they put on a great show, no doubt about it. Yeah. Highly recommend. They did kind of a documentary on ESPN on the Savannah Bananas and just kind of the whole approach and how they built this thing. And it's really interesting about how the owner of the whole deal uh, played baseball, and he's like, you know, we need to make this fun. It's, it's just it's too serious, and we can't have fun. So I'm glad you went out there mm-hmm. and, and saw that. Hey, Dave, have a great weekend, and I'll say it again. And I really mean it. Uh, Fox 5 really is one of the, well, I'll say the leader, because I do believe in terms of sports coverage, you guys really are doing a, a great job. And I completely appreciate that you, you know, you've been honest about this. I think, you know, good feedback, uh, good feedback like that matters a lot. And uh, I know yeah. in my case, my bosses haven't told me, hey, don't give your true opinion on the A's. I'm assuming – you know, your owners haven't done that either, which I, I no. I think that's yeah, a great I, thing. I think that's what I, the I public should told, want. Yeah, I haven't been told anything about, you know, toning it down or taming it down. So, um, hey, everything we're saying is true. <laughs> so, you know, as long as we're being truthful, I think we're okay. You're the man. We appreciate it. We'll see you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, fellas. There he is, Dave Hall. Good athlete. Big guy, 6'5". Played softball against him. Calm down. We, I, always, I will always go back to that joke, like legging out a triple. Oh, relax, yeah. I mean, I kind of – I was too old at that point to still take softball that serious, but I used to be a softball guy at one point. I wasn't 6'5". I played in a flag football league once, and there was a bunch of guys who were like, <laughs> you know, like varsity players in high school but couldn't do really that much, so you really got to take flag football seriously. Like, relax. It's the second lease on life. I guess. I'm now I've grown in my body. I wasn't ready in high school. Now I can really play right, the game. Right. It, yeah, it's flag. <laughs> Chill. Calm down. Well, what, what's the worst part? And this is really why I started to break down, uh, in, in large part, you know, it's my fault because I got out of shape. But the thing that I found myself getting, like, way too worked up and everyone else getting way too worked up, like, fighting at a rec game, what are we yeah, doing? Yes, exactly. Right? And, it's, and it seems like at the, you know, when it gets serious, that is – Kind of always teetering in that direction. It's like, just let's all relax. Well, there's just the smack talking, too. It's like, like, like I'm like, well, dude, stop. We're just playing. Big Ford 4 is on the way. We're live here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Come on down, 55-plus TVs to check out the games. The Aces are up in just a little bit. Big start to the weekend here at Treasure Island.